0: Hey, guys, welcome to the power of mindset podcast. This is our first episode. So we'll make it special. Uh, Throughout this podcast, what are we looking to accomplish? Well, we're looking to unlock secrets to success and explore how your mindset can be the driving force behind your personal growth and success. Just like successful individuals in various fields, you too can harness the power of your mind to overcome obstacles, achieve your goals, and lead a fulfilled life. We will interview lots of successful entrepreneurs throughout this podcast around the world to learn about their success, and we'll share personal stories from how we built one of the highest producing insurance sales businesses in the country here out of Washington State. So let me ask you this question. How do some people use the same systems, say the same word tracks, read the same books, and have access to the same knowledge, but somehow deliver much more desirable results? The answer is in the mindset is what I've come to find. Who you are, how you think, how you listen, how you say things, and how consistent you are. These are the missing ingredients we often don't spend much time considering because we are continuously looking for the so-called silver bullet system. I hope to encourage you to reframe your mindset around how we do what we do and urge you to continuously seek ways to get better, stay resilient, and always stay student of the game. So let's embrace the why not culture of always going above and beyond expectations, breaking barriers, and set new records along the way. That being said, um, you know, there's the story I've gotten the question a lot, and I want to kind of break it down. Uh, One of my goals with the podcast is to break down some of the lessons from the book that I wrote. I published this about three years ago. I haven't done much with it, but the question comes down to why did I write the book? And a lot of people ask me, and I've done uh, lots of sharing. And I think the story behind why I wrote it and what it meant to me is far greater than the book itself. And I'm really hoping you guys can get a copy of it. And I've given away so many of these as well. So the book actually is called The Power of Mindset, as we've called in this podcast episode. And the question I've gotten often is, I've gotten, why did I write this book? And with this podcast, I'm hoping to promote and talk a little bit more about it. It all goes back to the very beginning of us moving to the United States. And I'll tell you a little bit about my story so you can learn more about the author and I can share more of the principles to the book that could be more personal before you. Um, so the subtitle I ended up calling is the 14 Life-Changing Principles on How to Achieve True Success and Happiness. Um, as you guys know, there's this American dream, right? And there's a lot of truths behind it. And there's also a lot of rumors and a lot of non-true, non-proven theories that you just come to America and everything else works out. Like every other foreigner family, you know, my family decided to leave everything behind in this former Soviet country, Armenia, with the collapse of Soviet Union, middle class got wiped away and a lot of families were actually left um had uh, left the country to look for opportunities elsewhere. Many were moving to Russia. Lots moved to Europe, Spain, you name it, Italy. Um, American dream was very popular at the time. As far as, to America, you know, you can work there, get a job, and you don't go against man's and God's laws. You can have a house, a couple of cars, and one day you can stop working. So to us, that was more like a, I can't believe that's a dream, because that's not really a possibility. You know, coming out of a country where there's not much middle class, it's all the you know elites and the poorest, very few people had stable lives, To us, knowing you can go to a country, have a stable life, and it's a very high chance of having a stable life where you can work eight hours a day, um, save money, have vacation. And that was a piece to the popularity of the American dream for a lot of people. So lots of our peers and friends moved. So, for those of you who live in a California area, you're going to see a lot of Armenians there, right? So, we live in Washington. So, we moved to California like every other family. Things didn't work out. We moved to Washington, then Oregon came back to Washington. And as a child, I actually was separated from my family. So what happened was my father took the oldest son. I have a younger brother and older sister. And the the our goal and the theory was, we'll go, we'll work, might take a year, we'll bring the rest of the family. And unfortunately, true to that, uh, mommy's boy, myself, didn't see my mom, my brother, and my sister for seven years. Even though that might sound like a victimizing story, but I think we have a choice to either um, either use the story for the victim mentality or use the story for the winning mentality. Because if I was homeless today and I had financial issues and I had health issues and concerns and I was negative and I was talking about things that I don't control like the economy and the earthquake and the problems in the world, I could have said well here's why I drew the short straw I was the kid that was pulled was pulled away from his mother and brother and sister I went to this new country they didn't speak English we were homeless we had no food I had to eat breakfast in middle school and save my lunch to bring back to my father for him to eat food we went to food banks I was embarrassed I was trying to hide my face so kids don't know we go to food bank and we try to get you know free food from there and only shop at Goodwill to get clothes so victimizing myself would have been very easy. And most people would be like, you know what? I I kind of see why you are the way you are because you had a kind of a tough life. But now if I fast forward myself to where I live now, where I you know live the lifestyle I want, drive the car that I want to drive, I have a, a beautiful family. I get to have the honor of competing in Boston Marathon and, and triathlons and Ironman. All those things sound like in a way, kind of like I'm showing off by stating all these different things. But in reality, I use the fuel for my story to have the winning mentality to why can't I do more? The seven years or the 10 years or the 15 years when I was learning English, I got beat up in school, I got picked on and all those different things that built pain in my life, taught me valuable lessons that no one cares work harder. So I had to work harder, right? I had to be more positive than the most. I had to endure pain longer than most. And those were the lessons that translated into me having pit bull like, Grip on things that drive success, like working harder in business, which is what has helped me build one of the highest producing insurance businesses in the country. We've set almost every record. I have an amazing team, and a leadership piece I've learned to team is not necessarily about me. It's it's everything that goes right is my team, and everything that goes wrong is me. But so all those lessons I've learned through the time from not speaking English to now having this amazing business. Uh, multiple locations now, and then, you know, I get to call myself an author and an athlete is the result of me using a story, not to victimize, but to win. Now, it sounds all great when I talk about how life is today. But what happened throughout the journey where most people do unfortunately victimize themselves? And some of the people don't even have to have a tough story. They're just our victims. They blame the environment. They blame the economy. They blame the president. They blame God knows what. There's all these different things. And when you hear them, all of it sounds legitimate. And that's a lesson of if you look for excuses, you'll find them. But if you look for solutions, you'll find it too. And unfortunately, most of us are problem-based people, not solutions-based people. And the opportunistic approach to finding opportunities, even though there's a lot less opportunities, but when you look for them, The few that your day, the month, and the year presents are missed unless you're opportunistic. And that's one piece that my life had taught me when I had this adversity in my life where I could have taken all this where, you know, if I find the opportunity, I'll hang on to it. You know, I am privileged to have this opportunity. I'm not entitled to it. And there's a lot of holes in my life and there's a little bit of humility, I'll admit, by telling a story about how I came to write in the book. Um, I had this hole in my heart thinking that, you know, we're poor, we came to this country, we are pursuing this American dream. And unfortunately, you know, there's there's nothing positive about this whole story when you look at it that way. But if you look at the results, everything is positive. So if I remind myself back to the lesson of thinking, what is the hole in my heart? The hole in my heart was the money, right? So it's like this pillar, I was starting to understand that I was lacking money, I'm miserable. So if I have money, I'm going to be happy. Because at the end of the day, we all seek happiness in everything we do, right? Recognition and happiness. There are certain cars we drive, certain clothes we wear, certain things we do just to have more recognition and happiness in our life. That's it. The entire life purpose is pursuit of happiness. So I thought if I go from being broke, which is the all the problems in my life, to going to making money, becoming wealthy, I will solve all the problems in my life. So I got exposed to... Insurance sales industry. In my late teens, I got very good at it. Uh, I was very young in my early twenties. I got into the business. I, you know, we can talk about lessons about business of cold calling. You know, you don't just wait to start your business on start day. I cold called for eight months before, and I gathered a list of eighteen hundred names, and really built the business from just those names from the, you know, the first twelve months. As a matter of fact, the first two years we were writing a lot of business from all the cold calling and some of the door knocking I was doing. So. I was obsessed with the idea of getting a business off the ground to make money. And I remember when I got to my, my accounting piece where file filed my taxes and I just had my head down working and my account was like, congratulations, you just first broke your first six figures. And I was thinking to myself, what a miserable place to be, because I thought when I get to a point of making this back in 2000 and it was like 12 or something like that, 2011, I would actually feel more fulfilled, but the the sense of ungratified fulfillment was greater than when I thought this is going to solve my problem. Because the truth to success in the American dream and the becoming successful isn't wasn't about the money. Because I got to money, I had no balance in my life. I actually had gotten out of shape, I was 260 some pounds, I had ignored friends and relationships, I wasn't going out, I wasn't having a good time. All I was doing was working six, seven days a week, you know, take Sundays off for church, Um, you know, end up working after that when I get home. I didn't have purpose in my life. So I kind of took a step back and I was looking in the mirror. And one of the things a monkey on my back was telling me, like, dude, you look horrible. Like again, 260, 265, uh, out of shape. Yeah, once in a while, I'll go to the gym and lift. That just not was, was not quite enough. And, you know, there's a piece to being fit that brings you confidence, right? People treat you differently. There's a sense of respect because you look disciplined. You look look good. And there's a reason, again, we drive certain cars and buy certain clothes to look good, to look presentable. But when you're out of shape, like no matter how you try to cover it up with the nice clothes and the car, like you still get out of the car. You still have to take your shirt off. You're still wearing your shirt. People can tell that you're undisciplined, right? You're eating the food that you shouldn't be eating, you're skipping the exercise. And to me, I had a monkey on my back telling me, dude, okay, you got the money thing figured out, congratulations, but you're out of shape and fat and ugly. So my thing was, instead of working so much, let me take, a, let me take a, a break from work. So maybe working more isn't the answer. So why don't I take a break? And at the time I was, I remember my office hours were 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So I started taking a break from three to six and the break was uh, to myself and I was experimenting. That's the problem is people looking for the silver bullet. I'm not encouraging you with this message to take a break from three to six, but find when is it? At the time, I didn't believe in the five o'clock club. I did not want to wake up at that early in the morning. I wanted to wake up at like seven. It was like an hour drive to the office and I would actually start working at nine. Uh, But I took a break from three to six. And I remember at the time that really took the business to the next level. It actually, the break was a gym break and it was a mental break. It gave me time to listen to podcasts, listen to music, reset myself, get back to work. And from six to nine, I would work, make more calls, uh, train my evening cold calling crew, and I would go home. And for what I thought might be a pay cut to me, because I was away from the team that I was so, you know, so-called micromanaging, I realized I give the ability to my team to grow because there's a sense of growth when the boss, when the manager is not around, but you've taught them all the proper values. But you're not really giving them the opportunity to grow on their own like so when the eagle pushes the uh, the babies off the nest like they're going to open up their wings some might not but usually they open up the wings so they'll learn to fly on their own without supervision of or the eagle grabbing them and flying with them so me walking away was a very big psychological improvement for my team because i would come back to stories hike while you were gone we attempted this we tried that and before you left you told us to try these things And while you're not there, it was easier for us to try because we didn't want to look like a fool in front of you. So when you were gone, we tried, it worked, or we tried it did not. And it taught me a valuable lesson in leadership, because if you let your team fail, they can actually fail forward because now you're coaching them on, hey, I like the fact you asked, you didn't get this result from this prospect or from that sale or from upgrading coverage or from doing this or getting a referral for your business. You were able to actually fail forward because now we can talk about that. And have a much better conversation than, oh, congratulations, you did it and you got the sale, you got the commission. In reality, it's very hard to coach somebody when they're doing things right, right? And and in reality, we don't have team members in our businesses that come in and do things right, right away, right? And often we have this perfection phenomena where the business puts on this act like I'm perfect and it discourages the team to try to fail because all of a sudden they stop trying thinking, I can't be like them, therefore, I'm not going to encourage um, you know, any kind of risk in, you know, in my development. So I'm just going to do the mediocre things. So if I do fail, it's a little bit. But if I do succeed, it's a little bit. In reality, it helped me create this culture of vulnerability. Well, I'm out. You guys fail all you want. Fail hard. Get complaints. We can talk about it, right? I don't judge. I don't rage my voice. I don't scream. Um, I've never been the type of the boss figure to let my team feel bad about the fact that they tried something that didn't work. So that was a big piece to me. And it led to actually... <laughs> increasing sales. We started setting records in the territory, became the top uh, top office in the area. And then we started, became the top in the district. And it just kind of every year became the best year we've had ever since 12 years ago, since we started the business. So that was another piece where I brought my health back, right? So I had the financial piece figured out, which was only growing because now I was using the second pillar of my life, which was fitness, right? Finances and fitness. And then I brought fitness back into my life. Confidence came back, I was I'm an introvert, believe it or not, and I kind of became an extrovert as I got into the business of dealing with people. But in reality, I like time to myself. I like training alone. I don't have to go out every weekend. I don't have to be in front of people all the time. I get a lot of energy from people, but in reality, I do like to spend a lot of time to myself. A shy kid growing up, you know, the whole PTSD I developed from coming to America. I think that contributed to that as well. So finances were figured out. Fitness get back. I look great. Um, I wish. Give my wife might disagree when I say I look great, but I was looking better, maybe the for the correct term. And as my fitness came in, I noticed that, you know, confidence level, me being out, me socializing got better, but I was still feeling like something was missing. But as I started doing more of the interactions with people, working out with friends, taking more lunch breaks to bring some of the relationships back into my life, right? Some of the friendships back into my life. Now, you know, at the time I wasn't miserable with money, I wasn't miserable with my health. So your mind is always trying to solve a problem. What's the next thing? And to me, that was the friendship tank. I didn't have the place where I would recharge my battery and just have this BS conversation with my friends once in a while. So it was great to be able to bring that back into my life. And it'll start socializing more, getting out there, coffee dates and lunch dates. And again, that also started making my business do better. Funny how Again, I'm taking more time away from the office. I'm leaving earlier. I'm no longer working twelve-hour days, and I thought one of the secrets why we were setting all the records was the fact that we are open twelve hours a day, and every other office and area is open nine to five. In reality, that was help. It was great experiment, but I started closing the office at seven, and then we toned it down to six, and then five thirty, and then five. Did not decrease production. Actually, increased morale in the office and increased production as well. So less was truly more. More socializing, more relationships build quality relationships. And you know there is no self-made. It's, I, it frustrates me when people say, I'm self-made. You're not self-made. There's a village helping you out. There's the church, there's the community members, there's the friends, there's the, the family. There's If you do something well, people will refer business. So don't call this self-made. There's a lot of support, a huge ecosystem of people helping you along the way. So that's why I always say, if things go right, it's the team. Things go wrong as a leader. I take responsibility and so should you. And as the growth kept going into my life, again, constantly looking for the problem, and I still didn't quite feel fulfilled. Relationships led to meeting my wife, Diana, getting married, having kids. And I remember after the birth of my first son, I've got two boys, David and Armand. Things really changed. I felt fulfilled. I felt like I was no longer having this need of solving problems in my head. Cause I just need to maintain what I had. I was finally in a place in my life where I felt like there was no hole. Cause I always felt like I needed to fulfill part of my life with something. Right. So, and that's why when you don't have enough to do, when you don't have a certain balance in your life, by the way, there's no balance, perfect balance. And I'll, I'll get to that theory in just one second, which is the thesis in my entire book. Um, once I had these, you know, so-called balance in my life where I wasn't worried about paying bills. I was like, retirement is going to be just great. You know, I'll get there. So I had the vision of that. Uh, Fitness was great. I was signing up for marathons and I can actually have a whole podcast episode. I went from not being able to run a few miles to qualifying for Boston. And we'll, we'll talk about that as well. And then I got into triathlons and Ironman and how I actually won a race and qualified for nationals at 200 plus pounds, not to talk myself up, but talk about a system and process. And I can share that with you guys, uh, throughout the episodes of this podcast, um, you know, family, uh, one of the most grateful things. So when you look at the first smile of your child and having those date nights and uh, start taking Mondays off, Mondays off were my uh, essentially days for my wife where she wants to go shopping, we go shopping. She wants to go grab coffee, we go grab coffee. It doesn't have to be an agenda. It's just a day for me to dedicate to my spouse. And once I had this, this unbalanced balance between those four pillars, I called you know the family, finance, friendship, and fitness tank, the four, I felt like there's nothing more I need in life but I was very much afraid to lose. So I realized I'm on the something. So here's the American dream. Here's the success definition of where most people talk about, oh, it's about the money. No, it's about the fitness. No, in reality, it's a balance between those four pillars. So I'm like, let me write. I would love to put this in writing because I was doing a ton of coaching ton of coaching with the business owners around the country. And I was talking about them, you know, it's not about you getting your business to write more business, because we were writing a ton of business. So uh, my name got popular in a lot of districts and areas around the country in different states, people were asking me to speak. And, and they were always asking me business advice. How do you get your team to produce more? Where do you find your successful people? How are you able to market? What's the marketing secret? In reality, there was no secret, right? We don't There's no website, an anamazingemployee.com, and you find these unicorns. No, you find people with potential. They're not perfect, far from perfect. You help develop them. And one of the times I had a speaking engagement and a question came up to me, I'm 100% sure I offended the guy when he said, how do you find these winners? I have amazing team members. I have team members that have actually, if not the highest producing in the country, they're up there. And I've got them with no sales background, not much customer service background, but they had this grit within them. And I've taught them certain things, right? So my response, how do I find these team members? How do I have this amazing producing team? And I said, you don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. To elaborate on that quote is you might find somebody who is the person that will show up early that will skip lunch breaks, that will work hard, that will make all the calls, that will love the rejection, that will use the opportunistic mindset to find opportunities in a day to get better, to sell more services, to be that positive atmospheric person that encourages culture within the business. And when you improve the culture, the team improves, production improves, money improves, everything improves. You get time back and all these other things. But what if you're not the person that can manage that? He's like, what do you mean by that? Well, how do you manage that kind of a person When all you do is you show up late, you judge, you're negative, you're pessimistic, you talk about the news, you talk about the problems. And that person that came into this environment that you as a leader have built is no longer comfortable being around. The winner that you just attracted into your business, into your organization, is going to leave you to find an environment that they're comfortable in. So the reality is the culture of the business, of the enterprise, of the corporation is built within around the leaders. So again, often you attract what you are, not what you want. So the truth to that is, if, you have, if you're not that person, you might be lucky to get them. They will leave you, go find somewhere else where they're comfortable. What will stay within your organization and your business? People who are just like you, the leader. They come in, complain about the government and the president and the economy and the new laws and what was on the news yesterday. Those are the people that get around, in the term called confirmation bias, and will complain about the same problems all day long. 80% of a day is going to go towards complaints and negatives because they are problem-based mindset, not solutions-based mindset. So that is the issue with you attract what you are, not what you want. So that was a lesson I, I, I learned early on that if I'm not a 10 out of 10 being the most positive person in my business, and I call it the PDCC factor, if I'm not a 10 out of 10 and being driven, always want the next thing. I always want to improve. I always want to get better. So positivity how driven are you? I'm not the most coachable person within my business. I'd be very coachable. A new system comes out, new war tracks come out, new ways of getting things more efficient come out. Am I going to be open or am I going to say, I got things figured out? Because I believe I Albert Einstein said this and I'll try to quote him as accurately as I remember. The person that dies is the person that feels like they've got everything figured out. As then there's nothing else can be taught to you. That's a dead mindset. Because the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. It's one of the quotes i begin be the book with. Positivity, drive, coachability, and lastly is competitiveness. If I'm not a 10 out of 10 competitive, why would I expect my team to be competitive? So your question to me is how do you develop and find a team? Well, it goes back down to if that's what you are, you're going to find a bunch of 9s and 10s too. But if you're a 4 out of 10 on those 4, if you're a 4 out of 10 positive and driven and coachable competitive, you're going to find 3s and 4s yourself. Sorry if I gave you the wrong answer um you might think that's wrong but that's the truth in business you attract what you are not what you want so again as i started doing more coaching and things made sense i started writing the book in the book i wrote i wrote the truth in the wrong way i said you know i spent six months just writing it nonstop. it was about 20 hours a week commitment between rock and my kids, and there was never a perfect time to write a book. By the way, and there's a, a a thing I used called habit stacking, right? So most times we never commit to something that we should be doing, like working out or date nights or whatever, right? Reading a book is it's not that it's not a priority. A lot of things are are important. We know we don't prioritize. So if we make it a priority, we make it work. But often we don't because we say we don't have time. So I had already allocated time on the treadmill, on a stairmaster, you know. As, uh, as I was, you know, training for more endurance races, I'm like, why don't I just write the book on my iPhone as I'm on the Stairmaster? And I, instead of doing the 20 minutes Stairmaster, I ended up doing an hour, which was a lot better cardio. I wrote the whole thesis within six months on my iPhone. As I wrote, uh, I wanted to throw it away. Actually, I disagree with it because my thesis was this. First, you take it to the financial tank. Because you got to have money to have time, hire better, and, you know, the confidence of finances come into your life. And if you do have the time and the finances figured out, you can afford a gym membership and time to work out. Once you get fit and with the fitness and confidence within inner self, you can build better relationships and meet people, get out there, um, you know, looks do matter and attract the right person and you get married and have a family. And, you know, so you can figure out the finances, you can figure out the, the fitness second, third is the friendship tank. And the fourth one is the family tank. So as I wrote, I completely disagree with myself. And I remember I called a few of my peers who are doctors and they had dissertations and asked them, question, you know, part of you having a thesis when you do, you know, become a doctor, you have to defend this. Have you written a thesis and completely disagreed with it? And the response was, absolutely. When you spend so much time on your theory. And you write and you research, and it makes more sense to you. The truth comes later. So whatever you thought the message was the beginning turns out to be false later because you know more. goes back to that saying from Einstein, the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know, right? So the more I knew about the subject of balance of life, the more I realized there is no balance. There is no perfect order of pillars. So I rewrote the entire thing. I spent just months of just going back and just re-editing. And the theory thesis came back to... There is no perfect balance of those four pillars in life. You find the biggest monkey on your back. To me, it was money because I was broke as hell. And then it was my health because I looked like crap. And then the next one was like, man, I don't have any friends. And then it's like, I got to get married and have some kids. Once I had that order, I was a fool by trying to tell you to follow my order. The reality was find your order. So if you feel like your money is like out of whack and you can't afford food for your kids, trust me, you sacrifice some time with your family. Daddy gets, gets to work. Mommy gets to work. Make the financial pillar work. And you got to sacrifice. Have the talk with your spouse. I'm going to work 12-hour days to fix this. And trust me, they will support you because nobody likes the money problem. right? Or is it the other way around? Is it you got the money figured out? You got a Ferrari. And I've seen a guy come out of a Ferrari. His belly was just rubbing against the... The steering wheel because he couldn't come out of it, and I don't think the seats are that adjustable in those cars. I'm like, oh man, I, I'd rather drive a, a Geo Prism for the rest of my life than be that guy with that Ferrari, or the Lamborghini, or the nice car, whatever it is, right? So much money, but I mean, I don't know if that guy's gonna live past sixty from the way he looked. That one time I saw a guy pull up in a beautiful red, was that a yeah, I think at F430 to to a coffee shop? I'm like, what a beautiful car! And then I saw the reality things. I'm like, I don't want that success. It has to be balanced. Or is it the fact that you've got all these things figured out, but you're an asshole, can't make good relationships and can't have good friends because all you do is judge everybody and try to give unwelcome advice because how successful and great you are, right? So the truth was, find out, just sit down and think about this, right? What is it that you like in the most? Work on that. What do you think you like the next? Family, fitness, finance, and friendship, right? The reason why I didn't make faith the fifth pillar is because I don't believe that there is time you take away to work on faith because faith is what is the beginning ingredient like i've got faith i'm going to make this work like you brush your teeth like what keeps you brushing your teeth you got faith to brush it enough times doesn't matter which toothbrush you pick you just continuously brush eventually your teeth will get cleaner so that is the concept of having faith when you begin the process that one workout doesn't fix the health the you know One healthy meal and one skipping of the ice cream doesn't fix the weight. The one date night doesn't fix the marriage problem. Neither does one good, hardworking day fix the revenue issue in the business. It's about figuring out a system and making things tweaked daily and sticking to that tweak and being uncomfortable because pain of discipline weighs much less than pain of regret. I'd rather be disciplined to wake up early, to get my workout done, to think before I speak, to be positive when I walk into the office. All of that takes discipline and hard work. But it's far less painful than the pain of regret, because when you don't do and there's this trajectory of life, you're supposed to be here, but you made a decision to be slightly different. And over time, it's like spreads out. Instead of ending up on the left, you end up on the right. And that's the power of time that most people don't take advantage of. And those are some of the concepts that I wrote in my book, that there is no perfect balance. There is no perfect pillar to pick first, pick something and stick to it and fix it and move on to the next. And when you do balance it out, it's never going to be perfect. One is going to be out of whack. When I opened up our second location, my family was out of whack. I did sacrifice some health. When, when I was trying to break the five-hour Ironman 70.3, all I did was train 15 hours a week, and my team noticed that I wasn't in the office as much. I was taking breaks before the office, and then some of the two- to three-day workouts, I had to leave for lunch, come back two hours later, work, and then, you know my family felt that as well. But there's always going to be this misbalance, but it's okay. When you realize that life is never going to have a perfect balance, you're okay with the imperfect balance of all these different things, taking your time and just, just having this pain because you're waiting for this balance to come into your life and the pain to go away to enjoy life, you're going to be in your deathbed thinking you did not have a good life because the best moments are created where your feet are, not necessarily where your next vacation is or when your next trip is or when I figure out the next pillar. No, whatever the uncomfortable process you decide, work on that first, fix it. Take a small, tweaked process. Nothing great has to be done every day. You can Definition of great in my book, and I talk about this, is to be great at anything, you have to be good consistently. Because if you marry a good to consistency, you get great. And that's my message with the first episode of our The Power of Mindset podcast. Um, if any of you guys are local in Seattle area, you can actually contact my team. I have thousands of copies of this book so I'm giving out for free. So if anybody locally is here i have a free copy for you guys if you guys are on amazon there's a copy of that as well just the power of mindset the book but i hope you guys can continuously tune into these i'll have lots of thoughts eventually i'll start bringing in some more interviews and i would do want to have more time to break down the 14 chapters because the subtitle of the book is the 14 life-changing principles on how to achieve true happiness and success i'll talk more about success now and through systems through personal stories through some fitness goals, through some business goals and I have all of that in there as well. So hope you guys had a uh, good time listening to me share this lesson and uh, till next time so tune in we'll uh, we'll spend more time together. Cheers.